Hello, Mzanzi. Welcome to episode 334 of the Farmers Inside Track podcast. My name is Duncan Masua, and I'm your host for this episode, powered by Agri Enterprises. In this episode, we look at the accomplishments and impact made by Agri Enterprises in the context of the Rural Development Division over the course of 2023. We also highlight various initiatives, programs, and projects undertaken by Agri Enterprises to improve the conditions of rural communities where they operate. Peter de Jager, Agri-Enterprise CEO, joins us to talk about the key initiatives and milestones reached in the field of rural development in the past year. Peter, welcome to Farmers Inside Track. Thank you, Duncan. A pleasure to speak to you again. Definitely great having you back. Maybe start off by giving us an overview of Agri-Enterprise's Rural Development Division and its primary goals and objectives um, over the past year. Our unit focuses on offering comprehensive transformational solutions in the sector. And this is done through specialized interventions where we include training, mentorship, working tool contributions, and market access as activities to the participants. We've been happy this year in that we've actually taken quite a few initiatives forward that was only concepts in the past, and we were able to grow some of the initiatives we're already working with into a next level and also into second and third year implementation. I can imagine with the kind of year that you guys have had, there must have been a lot of achievements and milestones. Take us through some of those milestones and key achievements that has been reached in the field of rural development in the past year. One of our key achievements that we're very proud of is that we had a women in farming project in KZN last year, and that has entered the second year now of development. And we've taken... 60-odd ladies through a rigorous process in the first year. And we've also developed an innovative new incubator program, which we call the Agribusiness Incubator. And we've launched this with NetBank this year. It focuses basically on developing mentorships and skills, unlocking capital and new markets for participants that essentially can include security and create sustainable employment immunity. So these projects, we're pushing them forward now and we hopefully can roll them out and make them larger in the coming years. It's definitely been inspiring to even hear some of the stories. We had one of the beneficiaries on the show and she was able to take us to how the program has benefited her enterprise and, you know, not just impacting the business, but an entire community at large. So it's definitely inspiring to hear those kinds of stories. Maybe share some examples of successful projects or initiatives that have had a significant impact on rural communities, the farmers, or the agricultural sector as a whole. As I mentioned, our women farming project is a very good example where there were 60 ladies initially in the project, and they have organized themselves now into these small enterprises, which is really the way to go forward for a lot of the smaller-scale entrepreneurs. We're also very proud this year that we've introduced a participant into our agribusiness incubator program, who is Marta Boko Victoria from the West Bank. She's a deaf farmer farming with vegetables, and she actually has her own organization benefiting deaf people in the community. So we're very glad to start including those types of people that we may be excluded in the past because they just didn't meet the criteria. So we're looking at expanding these programs and actually bringing in more people that might have a disability into the mix 
so that we can get them independent and eventually graduate them to commercial status. With these kinds of initiatives, collaboration is key. In what ways has agri-enterprises collaborated with commodity bodies, local communities, government even, or to promote rural development in the areas you operate in? Duncan, in the previous interview, we spoke about a lot of good developments that are happening in silos. If we involve them in the process, we can actually enhance the impact that we're making. So in agriculture, there's a lot of talk about synergies and synergism. And we're seeing that happen now. So we've involved in our projects, for instance, four or five commodity organizations. There's different government structures that are also forming part of certain projects, either in terms of funding or support. And we also have service providers that are then specifically looking at, you know, skills transfer. And that's often not just limited to the participants, but also the wider communities that they form part of. Our big drive is to empower the participants to actually drive the community development eventually in the way of providing sustainable work opportunities in the sector. Looking ahead, Peter, what are your company's plans and goals for rural development? And how do you envision furthering your impact in this area? For any company, it's important to grow and we're the same. So what we would like to do is to take these, what we call now pilot projects, and grow them in terms of the participation and the reach across the country. So we are looking at a couple of alternative funding models where we are actually now approaching international funding organizations to assist us in actually providing funding for these programs. We are also privileged that we have access to a wide network of corporate firms that are members of AgriSA. We're also looking at opportunities to deploy funding into, and our role is often to combine these funds. So instead of each funder having their own little program, we combine it into a larger program where we can unlock a lot more value. We have also taken the step of strengthening our own board of directors this year by appointing Dr. Kathy Early. Now, she's a well-known person in the development space, especially in KZN. And she has already added quite a lot of value in terms of where we want to go and what type of interventions we can look forward to going into. And also we can access some of these funding that I'm speaking about. Of course, in any year of operation, challenges are inevitable. What challenges did agri-enterprises face in 2023? And what valuable lessons would you say have been learned from them? There's always challenges in this space, Duncan, and one of the issues we had internally, we had a couple of personnel changes this year. So I'm myself, I'm new, I'm now six months into the job. Some of our service providers had the same problem. So typically we had to look at a bit of succession planning, making sure that we have the right people in place to take over on these projects when something does happen. We have also found that there's a lot of the funders that are keen to engage into the sector, but they are not necessarily always aware of the cycles of the different commodities. So we typically find that money is made available, for instance, but then the flow of the funds due to you know bureaucratic processes often does not match the requirements from the participants who are bound by the windows that they have to look at for specific commodities in specific reef, for instance. There's also a lot of focus these days on the storytelling part of it. So we have actually taken the step of appointing someone to assist us in writing these 
where in the past, if you trained a number of people, you could tick the box and that's it. But now we are seeing that the funders are actually asking for a lot more in terms of not just how the money was spent, but the impact that was made and the story that we can tell about the participants and their journey from by being a small-scale, almost a fist-and-start farmer and getting into a more commercial, sustainable entrepreneur. Peter, as we wrap up, we know that rural development is not the only division within agri-enterprises. You also have the advisory services and corporate finance division. Any projects or programs in these divisions that you would like to spotlight? You know, we are a commercial firm as well. So we are doing quite a number of projects on the commercial finance side. So we have a good program with the Motepe Foundation, which is called the Inclusive Farming Partnership Model. And we have now initiated another project in the Eastern Cape and KZN, which will focus on vegetable production on a commercial scale. We're all investigating other opportunities to establish partnerships between large farmers and their communities, especially in Limpopo, but we're also looking at projects in the Northwest, Free State, Pumalanga, and KZN and Eastern Cape. We've recently won a feasibility study in the DRC, so we're actually venturing out of the country. As you might know, a lot of the African countries are not food secure, and the DRC is one of them. So they are looking at establishing large-scale commercial farms to improve their food security and lessen their reliance on imported maize, especially in this case. So we will, the team will probably be visit the site end of November, part of the development of a feasibility study, which will then hopefully lead to a investment at the end of the day into that project. On the advisory side, there's a couple of exciting things happening. We are doing a bioplastic commercialization project for one of the petroleum companies in South Africa, which holds a lot of potential in terms of replacing plastic with a biodegradable alternative. We are also involved in the Bokomosa Barona or BDR project on the West Branch. And that is a project that's been initiated to establish agriculture as a possible new economy or emerging economy post mining operation. And we're quite excited about the opportunities that there are in that space. And lastly, we're looking at a, establishing a cotton gin in Malanga. And that could potentially unlock quite a lot of value for the smaller scale commercial farmers in the Kumati area. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter De Yahe, Agri-Enterprises CEO. You can, of course, read more on this topic by visiting www.foodformzanzi.co.za. And that's a wrap from Zanzi. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. From me, Duncan Masiwa, our technical producer, Megan Funderfint, and the rest of team hashtag Zanzi. Thanks for listening. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.